You're listening to the Nomcast, a proud member of Forgotten Entertainment. Hello, and welcome to the Nomcast the Netflix original movie podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at NomCastPod on Twitter and Instagram, and you can check us out on the web at NomCastPod.com. All right, we have an amazing show for you today. Later, we will review the latest Netflix sci-fi drama, Stowaway, which is doing really well on the platform. A lot of interest probably due to the big stars in the small cast, so we will break that one down with podcaster and frequent guest of the show, Shane Beauregard of Media Mosh, in just a little while. But up first, the 93rd Academy Awards happen live in Los Angeles on Sunday night. We've been tracking award season pretty extensively here on the pod, so of course we are going to discuss the very unique, sometimes fun, and often puzzling ceremony and see what the results of last night means for Netflix in the present and the immediate future. We will do all that with David Long of the film podcast, Is It Worth It?, right now on an all-Oscars edition of What You Need to Know. All right, last Oscars recap, because last night was the big night. We got David Long here from Is It Worth It? from over there in the UK. Thanks for taking the time, man. I know it's later in the day, but it's a be- it's a good time for you. It is, yeah. It's five o'clock here, nice and. Uh, I mean, I've I've I was up until six a.m. last night with the Oscars, um, on the radio this morning, but grabbed a couple of hours sleep, so feel refreshed and ready to talk all things Oscars with you, Andrew. Really looking forward to it. Well, glad to hear it because even here, where uh, you know the 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 evening ended at a more reasonable hour than what you went <laughs> through, uh, I still feel like everyone will say it was a long night, and especially the way that the the Oscars itself ended. Um, mm. You know, from a perspective of a lot of people, not only just their picks got wrong, but also just a well deserved thing went awry. So. Let's break it down a little bit. First of all, I just want to talk about right up top because, again, this is a Netflix movie podcast. I kind of want to talk about the Netflix fallout. You know, we could talk yeah. all day about how Nomadland had a huge night and and the ending we'll get to in a moment and everything else because it all kind of falls in line here. But the big thing that I said all Oscar season, frankly, almost all year, and including, I believe, said it on your road to the Oscars uh, director segment that uh, I did on your show. I don't think that the Academy is still, it's still in that predicament of not wanting to award Netflix movies in a lot of the big six categories, including best picture. And for everyone who said early, and there was a lot of them said that this was going to be the Netflix Oscars and that we shouldn't mm. even have it. And the studio should just <laughs> fold up and all this shit, wrong, 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 wrong. I said it all goddamn year long. No matter how strong a movie was or a performance was, I was like, you watch. It might mm-hmm. happen like a Laura Dern thing or like for certain people, like one might pop up, but not as a whole. And last night, zero wins for the Netflix films in the big six. Yeah. Uh, and Chicago 7 
which you can argue was their best chance at best picture, shut out on the entire night, not just the mm. best picture. Uh, and it was the only best picture nominee to have zero wins on the night. Real big whiff <laughs> in terms of that for a guy for... <laughs> And, and another thing I heard all year was everybody loves Aaron Sorkin. Apparently yep. not enough. So mm-hmm. um, what do you think uh, of how that shook out for Netflix? I mean, a, a bunch of wins on the night, but a lot of lower card, a lot of stuff that they were already good at, like documentary and such. Where do you see the Netflix landscape with film? And do you think this changes any calculus going forward? I mean, it won seven. So if you remember when I first came on your on your show, I did that um, that, that statistic about its crossover, and the statistic suggested that it would win five. So it's I think it's heading in the right direction. Um, the the problem is, like you said, it's a lot of stuff on the undercard, and I know Netflix as a as a producer is is dying and is craving to be not only considered as a as a best picture contender but to win that coveted best picture prize and early in the night when the father beat nomadland in a in in adapted screenplay um i thought that was looking quite good for the trial of the chicago seven i thought that was that was suggesting this element of weakness for nomadland and 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 the trial may come through but as soon as the trial lost um, original screenplay and then it lost editing to sound of metal um it was it was all a little bit concerning and yeah for the trial of the chicago seven to to come out with a big fat duck egg is is worrying um and i, I believe the irishman did the same um last year yeah uh you know a lot of nominations and yeah. nothing to show for it absolutely um so this is this is gonna con i mean Netflix need to decide what they're doing. Are they going in the nomination game or are they going for the winning game? And I think that's going to have to be a decision that they make and that will affect how they campaign these films, what kind of films they campaign. Um, But, you know, there was still... I had... Well, I slightly changed my pick, but I thought Ma Rainey was going to win four. Um, And and it ended up only winning those two for for hair and makeup and for... um, for costume but yeah i think netflix has some decisions to make about how it campaigns its films um and yeah but i I, i'm i'm with you i'm i'm still not convinced the academy is is fully up to up to speed with this idea of netflix and that that notion that this was going to be the netflix oscars i never really brought into that if i'm honest yeah, I, I don't because not only do we have years of proof and even and a lot of people can say, you know, there's a, a, a change is inevitable at some point And they thought that this year, considering how many nominations they had, I mean, you're going to land some, but and, and maybe this is that year. But I, I feel like just in general, like even I'm seeing Oscar pundits today who make like a lot of those early decisions in terms mm. of like what movies are going to be the big movies of 2021 and the 2022 Oscars. Mm. And they're already saying not like nothing about Netflix films, mm. which is funny because you have an Adam McKay film with Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence in it. And nobody's talking about it. Like there's so many things where I just feel like going into a year like this, where we all stayed home and watched Netflix for yeah. the, the early first half, at least, of lockdown, let alone the whole time. They made a ton of money because of that aspect. Did this Oscars and some of the award season feel like retribution? Be like, you can keep the money. 
we'll, we need to protect our studios that are in dire crisis right mm. now, um, and we're going to give them the awards to prop them up. Do you think that had anything to do with it? I mean, then the, possibly. Um, one thing that did surprise me, the only person that actually spoke about the industry, from my count, was Francis McDormand in terms of you know, going out and getting to the cinema and she said about, you know, going shoulder to shoulder into the darkness, go out and watch these movies. Other than that, no one really seemed to sort of be pushing that wagon. Um, but maybe the Academy wanted to to support the made some of the, the you know, the non Netflix studios. Um, that's that's an interesting angle, um, an angle that I, I didn't really think think about. But there is there is that sense for Netflix of was this an opportunity lost? Like you say, we had certainly here in the UK, we had three lockdowns. Um, I think it was three, to be honest, I've lost count. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> we had a lot of time, particularly this time last year, we went into the first lockdown where all I saw on Twitter, on Facebook and talking to my friends was people watching Netflix documentaries, Netflix films, Netflix original movies. Like there was a real sense. And, and then the five bloods came out. In, in around April, May last year, I believe. Don't quote me on that, but it came out. Uh -huh. um, and and everyone was saying this is a, um, a, a, a contender in multiple categories at the Oscars. And I think it only got nominated for score in the end. Correct. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a sense of, you know, I, I think Netflix did more than hold serve. I think they they got more than the average would suggest that they would from previous years. But there's still a lot of work to be done for the Netflix studios. I think. Yeah, I mean, again, they they are still young. They're you know they're yeah. a, a studio that's a little over five years old now. And you know you can make the argument that you know the more and more wins they they rack up, that it's going to be you know harder and harder to to push them away. I mean, TV has embraced them. I always, I, I think I've said this. I don't know if I said it on on a podcast, but I've said uh, amongst our mutual friends, Mike, Mike, and Oscar, like that. Mm -hmm. TV feels like the basketball Hall of Fame, like the, <laughs> and then like the Oscars and the film community is like B Major League Baseball, where it's like mm -hmm. nobody wins this year. We're not putting anybody in our prestigious museum. <laughs> How dare you? This is all you know. I can imagine. I could have seen them just canceling the Oscars this year uh, if they weren't so. Yeah, uh, well, that uh, was. That, I mean, there was talk it. of that, wasn't there? There was talk of just not having an Oscars. Yeah, but the TV side, like I said, like the basketball Hall of Fame, they're like, yeah, what'd you average? Like uh, eighteen points a game, whatever. Yeah, come on in. You're you're a great player. <laughs> you know, let's go in. So Netflix has been endorsed, you know, big time on the TV side for a long time now. And you know, uh, how much longer until the film side, or will they ever, uh, you know, let this happen? Because Netflix has tried everything like they've yes. tried you know having big time directors you know finchers never won let's have get him a film maybe people will vote mm. for him sheerly for the fact that you know he hasn't won nope didn't happen uh spike lee nope didn't happen scorsese nope no, didn't happen yeah. you know noah bomback didn't happen like they're gonna keep trying <laughs> they're gonna keep going <laughs> um and then obviously this year you know you got an adam mckay or something who's gonna try to try to do it but and you got an antoine fuqua come uh movie coming through there's a bunch of good directors again this year but man <laughs> like it, it, yeah they will not they just can't cross over in the big six it's like this big bubble you know they'll get one like they'll get 
you know, Laura Dern last year. And I think that had to do way more with people loving Laura Dern than it did about this. But it kind of leans into what the end of this show was like last night, where Mm. Chadwick Boseman going in on everybody. I shouldn't say everybody. There was a few people. I think Feinberg had it late and a couple others said that, you know, they chose right where they said Francis McDormand was going to win and that, uh, you know, Hopkins, I think there was a few people who had Hopkins. But like you said, Viola Davis wins SAG. A lot of people thought she was, I think she might have been the betting favorite going in. And you would know better than I, Mr. Mr. All-Time Bets. (laughs) Um, But- uh, you know, and then Chadwick was, you know, he was shortening, but people definitely still was like, oh, well, obviously this is going to yeah. go to Chadwick Boseman because people have hearts. And then we go into the night. They do best picture third to last and save those two awards, mm. the best actor and actress, uh, you know, awards at the end of the night, thinking that the Chadwick thing was going to be the thing that sends us off into the night. And instead, we get the rope-a-dope. Anthony Hopkins wins, and he's not there to accept the award, so they just end the telecast on a thank-you-for-playing scenario. And I I wrote it down. I was like, much like – because I watched The Father this weekend. That was the last (laughs) one I had to watch. And uh, I felt like much like my viewing experience of The Father, the Oscars, I spent most of the night bewildered but engaged mm. and amused. But by the end, I was left a little disappointed and crying for my mommy. So <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know how you felt about it. I know a lot of people were complaining about it on, on film Twitter, or at least just shocked. Uh, how did you feel how the night ended for you? Um, you know, I, I, I do a podcast. People who know me know that I can talk. That's one thing I can do. And it honestly left me speechless. And I've been thinking about what to say on this show in regards to this. And I just felt firstly, deeply, like firstly, speechless, secondly, shocked, um, and then a little bit upset. Um, but just deeply saddened because I, firstly, I find Joaquin Phoenix very uncomfortable to watch. Um, when, <laughs> yeah. w- when he came on and he started, he started saying acting is supposed to be about something, but it, for me, I don't understand that at all. I thought, oh no, where's he going? I thought he was going to go on some sort of political or environmental rant. Um, he, he didn't go down that route. And then they announced Hopkins and he's not even there. He, you know, and he's been slightly overshadowed. Firstly, his Hopkins performance was my second favorite of the season behind Mm. Chadwick Boseman. Um, and he won BAFTA. Um, and there was talk in Hollywood, this, this idea of, you know, firstly, apparently I'm not sure how much of his, his clickbait and how much is truth, but there was this consensus on film Twitter that a lot of people had said, well, I voted for Hopkins, but, Bozeman's going to win and there seemed Mm. to be a lot of that and if you looked at the betting going into Oscars Sunday the line that was shortening was on Anthony Hopkins and I said this on my film Twitter Chadwick Bozeman was much more vulnerable than say Joaquin Phoenix last year Joaquin Phoenix was more of a lock in terms of Vegas's perspective than Bozeman so but I just felt I just felt really sad Um, and one the last thing I'll say on this is some people said it was a gamble that didn't pay off 
for me, that's not acceptable. Like, we have a laugh on Twitter, me, you, Mike, Mike and Oscar, great guys there, about me liking a bet, and I do like a bet. Sure. But there's some things you don't bet on. There's some things you don't bet on, and this is one of them. You don't gamble on something as big as a posthumous Oscar. You don't put all your eggs in one basket that he's going to win at the end of the show, and, and then he doesn't. Like, that's a gamble that's not shouldn't have happened, in my opinion. Yeah, and... I, like for me, like I said before, I, I didn't. I I agree with you. I think that Hopkins was the second performance, and and I will not denounce neither his performance or him as a man. I love Anthony mm. Hopkins. Uh, he's a tremendous actor, and to and to get one, you know, age I believe eighty three or something yes. of the like, like you know, that's great. And, and you know, who knows how many times that will happen again, especially the way mm. his career has gone in the last you know decade or two. But at the same time, he's still here. He has one. And even if they're neck and neck, how the hell do you not put Bozeman's name down? He has yeah. no chance. And by the time Oscar voting started, there's been multiple times where his widow is on screen giving the best moment of the night and yes. it doesn't work for you. What mm. the fuck? Like, I don't get it. Uh, how this happened in that sense, uh, like I said, you know, again, Hopkins, very qualified, very good. Uh, you know, the, the performance, you know, he is that movie. So if you like that movie, yeah, you're going to put one up for him. However, I don't, I don't get it all the way around. One other thing I wanted to talk to you, Mr. British man over there. How did the Baptist get it right? And we didn't see it because... <laughs> Because I feel like because BAFTA changed how they do the voting this mm. year that nobody wanted to count BAFTA. Yeah. yeah. And yet they were the ones who voted Hopkins in. They were the ones who voted McDormand of all the confusion of all the award shows picking a different best actress for every uh, single show. How the hell <laughs> is this something you think going forward we're going to have to look harder at the BAFTAs or is this just an aberration? <sighs> I mean, I'm I don't on, off the top of my head. I don't know the crossover stats between BAFTA and and uh, and Oscar in 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 some of the major categories. I think I think you have to take BAFTA seriously, and I think the, the fact that the BAFTA result comes out when the the Academy ballot is still open, yeah. it does influence the Academy. Um, but for me, like I was I was I was convinced that it was SAG that we had to look at. Like that was that was the precursor that I was, you know, he, hooking my hat on, you know, on 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 there. Like I was convinced that it was Screen Actors Guild that was, you know, with Viola Davis, with Chadwick Boseman. I was convinced that that was the road to go down. Yeah. But BAFTA got it right this year, and I suppose next year we will just have to sit up and take a bit more note of BAFTA because you're right. A lot of them, a major, you know, some YouTubers that I watch prediction wise sort of said that, you know, BAFTA went for Hopkins, but it was the British pick. And yeah, you know, it, it was, it was sort of a nod to, to Anthony there. Like you said, you know, he's 83, how many more roles he'll have and how many more opportunities he'll have to star in a film of that quality alongside someone like Olivia Coleman. So was that the, the British sort of tip of the hat? you know well played to have a BAFTA but it, <laughs> it, it 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 was more than that and it obviously stemmed through the academy and yeah it was it, it, crazy really um yeah speechless like I said yeah the the, the there was one thing towards the 
very, very end, I think it was a few days before the ceremony, I was listening to um, IndieWire's uh, podcast, and Ann Thompson, who I really like, she yeah. you know, happened to just throw a nugget out there that it, it changed my brain chemistry because I didn't know, I wasn't aware of this. So the Academy's opened up more recently. It's added more members, you know, it's yeah. getting uh, more diverse and inclusive and everything else. But one thing that I guess I didn't know until she happened to just say it as like, you know, just to throw it out there. She's like, oh, yeah, there's so many Brits in the Academy now. And I was like, wait, what? So it was one of those <laughs> things that, you know, I was like, oh, well, to me, if BAFTA didn't change their voting style and I knew that last nugget, I would have, I think, leaned heavier into the BAFTA results for for things that didn't seem obvious. Like yeah. so maybe Mc, in retrospect McDormand winning best actress makes more sense to me now because yeah. it's like okay, if I'm to believe the BAFTA to be a a, a rule of thumb, then McDormand winning signals it. Uh the the fact that Viola Davis is in a movie that wasn't up for best picture should have been a big indicator that she shouldn't have won. And yeah. Carrie Mulligan lost to Frances McDormand at the BAFTAs when she is in her, she herself is British and was up for the dig as well as other things to where they love her and they didn't vote her in. So that should have been a red flag. So, you know, that's why I think late life happened for like Vanessa Kirby at a time and then it went away. And, and Andre Day, like, and Thompson said, like, I know people, a lot of people who voted for her. I wonder how close this vote. This is my big thing every year. Show the damn results. I, I want I could not agree more. We all want to know. Why yeah. would you keep that? Uh, you know, they try to keep these things to where nobody gets embarrassed. Fuck that. Tr make, <laughs> try harder. Do better. That's what, like, if you lost, a loss is a loss. Yeah, you want to exactly, come back yeah. to the big show? Fucking do it again. Um, mm. So anyway, I'll get off my soapbox with that. But uh, like I said, I don't know if next year, uh, you know, if they're going to do the same voting style, if it's going to be the, the same amount of uh, crossover or whatever, because these things are so finicky. Mm. But, you know, they did get a lot. And, and PGA usually is a big indicator of things, too. I, I, nothing made sense this year. Everything was mm. so uh, spread out. That yeah. nobody could really get a good shake except for certain categories, and Chadwick was one of them, and it didn't work, and I don't know what the hell happened. Um, but let's get into some positive news, okay? Mm. So Netflix does get, as you said, seven wins, and Ma Rainey and Mank won multiple awards, including the sh one of the shocks of them winning, uh, Mank winning for cinematography was kind of a shock. A lot of people had thought Nomadland had that. But we covered uh, that in our last Oscars recap on this show was saying Mank, you know, won a late cinematography award that kind of made things go, oh, well, you yeah. know, maybe this is tipping. And then it did. They actually won the award. Um, you know, so I think there are some things, you know, they continue to do very well in the doc feature. Uh, Octopus mm. Teacher winning is a head scratcher for me, uh, especially, you know. My my favorite pick, especially even just Netflix, let alone the rest of the field, you know, uh, Dick Johnson's Dead wasn't even nominated. Yeah. Crip, Crip Camp, I thought, was right behind that. Loses out to Octopus Teacher. 
at no point did I think this was going to be the juggernaut it was, and it ends up winning. I don't get it. But I understand you, I believe, won the bet on that. So I And did. I, did, I did pick it at the end of the day, but it didn't work. <laughs> I, I did. So after the Octopus won at the PGA, um, I jumped on the betting straight away on my computer. I got 8-1, to one, and that line immediately shortened only minutes, hours later. Oh, um, nice. And the, the, on the night of the Oscars, it was actually one to five. So I was sitting on on a nice price on the octopus. But I, I'm with you on that. Like for me, Dick Johnson is Dead was um, a, a superb documentary and Crip Camp as well. Like that documentary hit me really hard. I was really empowered by that. Thought that was a superb bit of filmmaking. And if you haven't seen that, you know, source it out. It's well worth a watch. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I think uh, I'm... I'm... I'm not impressed by the Netflix wins in terms of doc anymore. <laughs> I know it's so sad, yeah, um, yeah. but you know, they, they just do such a great job, uh, you know, with the shorts now, you know, adding even more, uh, and the, their commitment to animation is starting to really show all over the map. So, and, and they're going hard for it, uh, in 2021, uh, for the 2022 Oscars. Uh, mm. I think they have, at least six animated films they're doing this year that oh wow probably half of them they'll end up pushing really hard so whoo it's going to be a bloodbath in that category between them and, <laughs> them, them and pixar and and disney going forward so let's let's talk about the ceremony a little bit you know we we touched on how the ending was how it was incredibly you know shocking disappointing hard to wrap your mind around it was a very unique ceremony Steven Soderbergh, you know, I, I love him as a director, and he took the reins on this one to try to make this a more personal, uh, a, maybe a little more cinematic uh, mm-hmm. feel. And I don't know how much he succeeded overall. I think a lot of it is just hard when you don't have the involvement. You know, uh, like it, there were so many people saying like uh, Academy voters were just saying across the board, yeah, I'm going to sit this one out as far as voting or I didn't watch everything, so I'm not going to mm-hmm. vote or whatever. So he had a tough task. Let's put it that way. Yeah. But the 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 whole thing was still over three hours, even though the best song performances were in the pre pre-show. Yeah. No host monologue, no host at all. No montages, no clips. Uh, for for any of the the nominations in probably the first hour or hour and a half, besides like international feature, which was an odd choice. What did you think of the ceremony overall, and did it work for you, or do you think hopefully we can all go back to previous models going forward? Um, to, well, to the, the second point of that question, yeah, I I would be. I'm hoping we go back to the previous model in terms of order with best picture coming last, but in terms of the overall feel of it, they went for this more sort of, it felt like the red carpet had a very relaxed vibe to it and it was much more personal and there was a lot more space on the red. Normally the red carpet is just full of people and there's so much, so much paparazzi and it's, and it's crazy. So it had a more laid back, unique feel. And then the, the ceremony itself had this sort of, almost like a um, an awards dinner feel with people sitting on tables um, and it was obviously much, much smaller. Like you said, it was quite cinematic at times. Um, the opening, for sure. Yeah, with when Regina King came walking in and you had that sort of like aerial shot of her, that was quite the cinema. You know, you talk about cinematography, that was quite impressive. Um, but then there was some there was some strange choices in the um, 
in the ceremony, this sort of DJ in his DJ booth. I don't know if that worked. Um, the uh, the sort of what did they play? They played some sort of quiz in the middle of the show. Yeah. Um, well, I I would have loved it if it was the middle of the show, like an intermission. <laughs> but it was like two thirds. We were like at the finish line, yeah. and all of a sudden it's like, hey, here's Little Rel to ask you stuff about you know Oscar music trivia. What? Yeah, What's yeah. That was that was weird because I mean I think if you're gonna have like you say let's play some Oscar music trivia. Um, although the Andre Day moment was very, very funny when she swore. Um, yes. You would think, for goodness sake, if you've got time to put that in, can we not have some clips for the acting? Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. And and what I wrote down about that, that it struck me at the time and it still resonates now. So this is a tough year, right? We would all mm. admit that, you know, the, the audiences... We don't know if a lot of people are, are watching this show. With this show at best, you know, cuz you know, we don't have you know consensus. There was no rooting interest. We don't know why the people are tuning in. A lot of people are tuning in just to be like, "Oh, well what are the things that are going to be awarded? Maybe I'll go check them out." Mm. You know, the Fairweather fans or getting fans that were hardcores back in in a year where maybe they weren't as interested. So to me, this year, more than previous years, had to be a sell job for the film industry in a way. doesn't have to be heavy-handed, but you do have to show the performances and some clips of these movies that yeah, I agree. To, to sell them at least on the back end. Be like, oh, that's why people love Nomadland so much. That's why it won so many of the big awards, because... It's a beautiful thing to watch. Francis McDormand's in it. You got, you know, uh, you know this the I forget her name, Swanky, right? Uh, yeah, yes, yeah. You know, she's there and she you know, they get to show her clip and you know, it that that is what you need. And especially mm. like my ne I you know, both of us love Judas and the Black Messiah. Yes. And my hair still stood on the back of my neck when they showed the clip. At the end, mind you, yes. uh, for best picture for the, you know, Kaluuya's Fred Hampton speech in the middle of that film. And where was that for best supporting actor <laughs> towards the beginning of the show? Yeah. I want, if I'm a doing a performance award, show me the fucking performance. Yes, you know? I couldn't agree more. Which is why they said that a lot of these choices were for the diehards that mm. watched all these films. Well, guess what? The reason why I'm tuning in is because I want to see these stars of these films and I want to see, I want to relive what I, what my rooting interest is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and not everybody is like you and I where like we're either in Oscar pools or have a betting interest. Some people are just, you know, rooting at home. Oh, who do I want to choose? Let me watch the clips and I'll make, make a choice. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You're playing along. It's a fucking game. It's an mm. award show. Play the game. Put put all the contestants out. Let's do this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think you're right as well about in a year where, you know, cinemas have been closed or people haven't been able to get to the cinema as much, show the clips. Like, yeah. show, show, like you said, Kaluuya, show that incredible speech from Chad. Well, he gives three speeches, but one of the incredible speeches from Chadwick Boseman. Show Francis McDormand. Show Viola Davis in a transformative role. Yeah. Um, 
you know, show show people what they're missing if they haven't seen it and yes. remind us crazy folk who have gone out of our way to watch all of the fucking stuff on the uh, on, on the card. Uh -huh. Remind remind us why we're mad enough to do that. You know what I mean? Like, show us it. Well, not only that, I, I if in retrospect, after I was kind of thinking about it as the night progressed, I think Soderbergh had it in his mind that he was going to show one clip of every movie and he wasn't going to double down. So like okay. if, if, if you have the, you know, acting, uh, branch stuff, the nominations, then we're not going to show it then if you're up for best picture later, you know, that kind of a mm. thing. Like we're not going to show you the same things over and over. Okay. I buy that. Here's a thought. Don't do it for best picture because by the time we get to the end of the night, we fucking know. We yeah. fucking know what these, we should know. We should know what these movies are going into the damn night, let alone everything else. But the performances is what makes the movie. And you're also seeing these bits and pieces of at least, you know, when they're, hey, here's a shot of Nomadland for cinematography during the cinematography part. Oh, I get that it looks gorgeous. Uh, you know, even a most yeah. peripheral fan can be like, oh, this is why it's appealing. This is whatever. It's little puzzles. That's, Fine. You don't have to make a big deal out of like stripping away, especially during the big performance awards up front, to take mm. that away. Why are we doing that? Um, it, it, to me, that's just as important, or you know, possibly more important at times than finding out that you know uh, Leah Zichung loved ET. Like, great. <laughs> you know, that's fine. You know, I'd like to see more performances of the people he put in his movie in the movie he created. So. Sometimes those anecdotes work. Sometimes yeah. I can give a rat's ass. And yeah. <laughs> and to be honest, there were so many shots of the crowd where like even they were like, I don't, get get that camera off me. I'm behind the yeah, screen. Yeah, I'm behind the scenes for a reason. Um so it it had its ups and downs. I think, you know, even though like you said about the uh the trivia thing, it still produced the Glenn Close moment that we we won't oh. forget. Um, you know, there were, and, and because of some of the things they did strip out, they did not cut people off in terms of speeches throughout yes, the that's night. True. And, and for some, some people weren't up to task. Some people just rambled and it was bad. Um, but there were some, you know, Kaluuya, uh, Vinderberg, some of these other ones that were just heartfelt, great speeches, Chloe Zhao, mm -hmm. you know, some of these other ones. Um, and then like towards the end of the night, I think people were just like, uh, like it was like McDor <laughs> McDormand makes this big speech for best picture and then turns around and has to do best actress. And mm. she was just kind of like, I like to work. Goodbye. And that was, it. yeah, yeah. That was crazy. That was, that was a mad speech. Yeah. 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 That was, I wasn't a fan of McDormand's best actress speech. I thought she could have said a bit more, but that's just yeah. my personal opinion. Well, when you come off a howl, you know, like <laughs> yeah. you're not going to do anything to go up, which again is, Another case for why didn't you have Best Picture end no, because yeah. you could have ended the night on Nor McDormand's howl instead of <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix being nervous going, yep, we accept this award. Have a good night. You know, like, yeah, yeah, that was dumb. of all the people you don't want to have presenting that award. Joaquin Phoenix is the top of that list. Trust me for Best Actor. That was oh, my skin was crawling. He, I find it. I think he's a phenomenal actor, but he makes me uncomfortable. 
Yeah, a lot of people do. Sometimes he can be very heartfelt in his acceptance speeches, but those are two very different things. Presenting yeah. and accepting yes, are two absolutely. vastly different things. Um, but overall, I think they took some big swings, and unfortunately, the ending really bit them in the ass. Um, <laughs> but hopefully, maybe there are some things that we can take going forward, or at least we can go, well, this didn't work. We tried something different. Let's go back to the well. Um, you know, I, I didn't miss the songs being gone uh, or that being in the pre-show. I could say that um, because you still hear parts of the songs in the nomination. It's the same yeah. as if we're showing like, you know, 15 seconds of how beautiful it was of Mank to watch or whatever, you know, yeah. but uh, in cinematography or something. But it's the same. If, if anything, I thought it was weird that when I think the, the score nominations were happening, I didn't hear a lot of the score or no, like the, the score wasn't played off when they won either. And I was, yeah, like, that was strange. So I hope there were some lessons learned overall. <laughs> it was a very, like I said, bewildering performance, uh, from everyone all around and, and the Netflix angle going forward every year. I try to take stock and see where things are going. Yes. More nominations. Yes. More wins than yeah. they've done in the past, but I still think they have some hurdles and some things to work on. And I don't know if that can happen with all their money and everything going forward. Like nothing, you know, their marketing strategy. I think it has to happen organically that the, you know, the, the Academy has to change, you know, it has to be more accepting of Netflix as an actual studio going forward. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, you can only force it so much. And like you said earlier in the show, they have tried everything. And, you know, and I'm, I'm sure they've still got a few cards up their sleeves. But, you know, Scorsese, the Irishman, for example, when I heard about that film, like in my head, I was just like, this film's going to sweep. Yeah. Like, when I saw the cast, I was like, there's no way this film doesn't just dismantle the Oscars. And yeah. look how that played out. So I think you're right. I think, you know, time is something, you know, we live in a society now where, where you know, progress is being made in a variety of different areas. I mean, pro more progress needs to be made, but we are making progress in some areas. But I think for, for the film industry, it's, it's a very sort of fluid thing. It, it can, it can change. And I think the Academy is changing, um, but it's just not maybe changing as quickly as, you know, Netflix fans would like. So I think as the years progress, I do suspect, I do believe Netflix will continue to improve. And I do believe ultimately it will culminate in Netflix eventually winning a best picture. I think so too. I, I you know, it's funny in retrospect, like Roma was probably their best shot. And it's, uh, you know, that should be another just canary in the coma, <laughs> like some kind of indicator <laughs> of, you know, that they don't, they don't have it yet. Yeah. You know, and to be honest, like if Chicago seven won, a lot of people would be upset and I'd be like, yeah, that wasn't the best picture of the year either. Mm. I wish Judas won for your <sighs> bet and my own head. But, you know, I think of the last few years picks, it's been weird. Like the Oscar bait stuff is really starting to fall to the wayside. Yes. Um, and which is weird because the Academy is still so very old. <laughs> so I don't know what we're going to get, but the fact that we got Parasite last year, yes, we got a small movie like Nomadland this year. Now, granted, with a lot of movies pushed back, not the same competition, it'll be interesting to see if there's an even bigger pattern that, you know, movies with a larger budget or something with a lot of star power 
might not be it anymore. Now it's like it has to feel more grounded, maybe more realistic, maybe a message film that doesn't seem heavy handed. I don't know anymore. It's 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 showing certain trends. But I think, you know, is this something that's going to project going forward? I don't know. Yeah, uh, just quickly, when um, I've got to say, you you say you're disappointed my Judas bet didn't come in. Obviously, I I like I I put that on my official ballot. Like I was in a in a lose lose situation. Really, I'd been with Judas all season, so I had to stick with Judas. But when Judas won original song, and it sprung a surprise because that was twenty five to one uh, for fight for you. I think it's called. Um, yeah, I believe so. I, my, uh, my heart was in my mouth because I was thinking, what does this mean? Does this mean the Academy like it? Does this mean it's got a best picture chance? I started to really lose my shit because um, <laughs> I was thinking, like, if the Academy are willing to vote for it in best song, maybe maybe it's got a best picture chance. But ultimately, that didn't come to fruition. But, yeah, fascinating what you say, you know, Parasite, now Nomadland, two very sort of unique, different films, not your typical... Um, Oscar-winning films. I remember when when I first started following the betting, Nomadland was 25 to 1 to win the Oscar. That's the first price I saw for it. Then it won the Golden Lion at Venice. I didn't look into that too much because Joker won the Golden Lion last year. But it just kept winning and it kept winning. And, you know, I... You know, it's, I feel stupid opposing it. But for me, it wasn't my favourite fi- film of the year. And sometimes I have to go with heart overhead. But... um you know, I think what you say there is fascinating about the, the the way the Academy is changing and some of these big budget films just aren't picking up those awards. I think we'll have a much better outlook this year with the film festivals coming back, too, because yes. a lot of what you were saying is like, yeah, we didn't take stock in this win of this festival because it didn't have the competition. Netflix yeah. was in zero of these yeah. of these festivals. You know, some of these other studios withheld some of their biggest stuff until the end. You know, because they didn't know when it was going to be officially released and they didn't want to play games with their schedule. So there was a lot of games, a lot of gamesmanship that happened this year. Hopefully in a more normal year, we'll get even better at this because I'll say for myself, I was 16 to 23 and I still feel like I, you know, so many of those were a toss up. You know, yeah. that, you know, it can only get better for people who think they know what they're talking about. So uh, <laughs> you and I, I, I feel like are those people. We're only going to improve. Um, thanks so much for taking the time, David, and uh, everyone check out Is It Worth It? Uh, you know, an excellent podcast that uh, I was on the road to the Oscars. And hopefully I'll join you guys soon for a more traditional episode. Yes, we're going to get soon. that. We're going to get that sorted. Um, Craig's just really busy at the moment. But when once we've got a, a bit more free time, we'd love to get you on, review a few films. Um, you know, we're big fans of your podcast. It's been an absolute honor to come on the Nomcast again. So thank you, Andrew, for having me. I really do appreciate it. A long season, but you helped me through it, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> A long, long season. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone stay tuned uh, for our next segment, which I will bring on uh, another guest for doing our review of Stowaway, the sci-fi film that came out last week that is, I believe, currently number two and the number one movie on Netflix. So stay tuned for that. Do you like beer? Do you like podcasts? Do you like beer podcasts? Then check out Cracking One Open, a podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every week, we crack open a new craft beer from breweries around the country. And sometimes the world. 
We'll talk about how it was made, what's in it, the history of the brew and the brewery. Then we'll give our tasting notes. And while we're finishing up, we'll talk about some of the latest goings on in the world of pop culture. So check out Crack and Win Open with Mike and Elise, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, I'm Shamar. And I'm Andrew. We're going to be doing a deep dive on all the connected DC animated movies in their cinematic universe. Yes, I'm here to discuss the interconnected storylines and point out how jacked everybody is. And I'm here to share a deep comic book knowledge like Batman having his own sneaker line. So check out yet another DC animated podcast. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family and coming soon wherever you listen to your podcast. All right, Shane Beauregard is here. Glad to have this muscle man back. Jeez, like, I know it's Zoom. Nobody can see you, but the intimidation factor is extreme, guys. Well, I had to bring the heat. I had to bring the heat this episode. Yeah. (laughs) In space, no one can see your sleeves. That's uh, apparently (laughs) what Shane is trying to pull off in this episode. So glad this is good audio. So I'm glad you're here, buddy. Um, You know, Stowaway is what we're going to review today. And it's a movie that, you know, I had a feeling when I saw the trailer that it was at least going to get watched a lot. Um, that people are going to turn this on, big stars right up front, you know, and it's only, it's a very small cast. It's only four people. They didn't bother to have kind of this, you know, pre-ceremony stuff, you know, maybe family members or anybody um, extended outside of this. It's a four-person roster uh, with Anna Kendrick, Tony Collette, a lot of people, Daniel Day Kim, a lot of people know these people. So here we stand. It's a, it's Monday night, and over the weekend, this is the number one movie on Netflix and number two on the top ten. What what did you think when you? I don't know if you saw a trailer or whether you had some kind of preconceived notion on this one, Shane. But you know, what did you think before you hit play on this? What were your expectations? I actually had zero expectations the of best this way movie to go. because <laughs> yes, because I did not see a trailer. I read about it coming out, but I didn't read any of the description outside the cast. Like I knew it was like a, a you know sci-fi space movie, but that's it. That's all I knew going in. So I had totally blind. Right. So you told me, hey, watch this movie on Saturday. I was hoping you'd pull me up out of the quagmire that I've been in. <laughs> and uh, I went ahead and, and watched this movie. <laughs> well, good on you. Thank you for doing your mission, sir. That's amazing. <laughs> One thing before we get rocking on, on the full breakdown of this film, one thing I did want to bring up, uh, shout out to XYZ Films. Uh, they are the producers of this film, and I'm just going to run by. They, they've only been around maybe a decade or so, and they have a deal with Netflix where they've done quite a bit. I'm just going to run by a bunch of movies that they produced, and Shane, I think you're going to be like, why am I not bowing at the altar of XYZ Films, okay? So, All right. So so the past Netflix films that they produced, The Night Comes for Us, Apostle, I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore, okay? Just for starters. There are other films that put them on the map, The Raid 1 and 2, Mandy, Mom and Dad, The Invitation, Anna and the Apocalypse. That's eight for eight. Yeah, I figured that is like the Shane special right there. Yes, it is. Everything you said is eight for eight. Yeah, I know. And that's why I was like, oh, my God, because I, you know, it's one of those things you notice when you watch films sometimes and you're like, oh, I see this XYZ thing all the time, especially because they've made multiple films that we've covered on this podcast. I was like, 
let me just look them up, see what they made. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like it's, they're, they're like the the cool kid in the class man they just like pick up all these genre films that you know pique people's interests and kudos to them and and the one of the last films they did uh was this movie arctic uh which is a mads mickelson film from the director of this film that was his last film uh that was the the feature debut from joe penna uh with him and Ryan Morrison, uh, who is his co-writer, and he also uh, is a producer on there, and he edits uh, their films together, too. So it's this cool, tight little package that they have going here. Um, and like I said, the the big standout here for, for people before they hit play is obviously the cast. You know, I, I don't think I would have been even interested in this movie on its outset if you just told me the plot and the... And, and showed me a trailer without this type of, you know, pedigree sitting here. Um, but like I said, people are really into it. Uh, the the plot for people who don't know will try to be relatively, at least non-spoilery to start, will play that rule because uh, there are some things that you have to kind of, you can't be on the fence about certain aspects of this movie, so we'll get into it. But it's about a three-person crew on a mission to Mars facing an impossible choice when an unplanned passenger jeopardizes the lives of everyone on board. And when I first saw the trailer, I kind of expected more espionage or maybe some kind of duplicitous character. You know, with sci-fi, you never know. It can get real weird. But this movie's pretty straight up, Shane. Uh, when you watch this film, what did you think... Uh, general impressions of the film after you were done man i had a uh several questions after i got done watching this film because to me this film is a movie of, of obviously it's not even a first second third act it's a first half and a second half kind of movie for me um and going back to the director i loved arctic i i loved that movie so when i found out he did that and did this i'm like wow there are some similarities between the two but obviously they're, they're very different in its own right but i thought the the what I had an issue with initially is the pacing of this film. Like I thought the first half of this film almost acted as a filler for the second half of the film. And that's where you get engaged is with the second half and some of the morality questions that come up in, in their situation. So at first I was like, Oh, come on. Like, I just thought it just, it took a while for me to get engaged in this movie, mm -hmm. but the second half really saved it for me. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, when I did read some of the, the reviews on this, a lot of at least the negative reviews on this, because it's actually getting relatively positive reviews. Uh, there are obviously also detractors, and those people, a lot of times, they bring up the pacing as being one of the, the core issues that they have with this film. I can't fault that whatsoever. To me, you know, I thought ultimately that this movie didn't know if it wanted to be a plot-driven piece or a character-driven piece. And much like uh, when we covered The Midnight Sky on this show, another sci-fi Netflix film, now again, comparing George Clooney to something on this scale is a little bit different, but I will say that it was also a film that the the connections of the people on board, they you have to rely on them heavily to tell the story and when these characters don't have great connections or you know a depth 
to them that is necessary, especially in this film. When when there's a, a sacrifice, uh, as we'll see at some point, then you need these people to be as thick as thieves. You need to be them to to have some kind of emotion. I thought the emotions in this film, even though there's a lot of empathy, that ultimately it's too flat for how it gets to the the climax of the film. And I will say, you know, it's it's very well designed. It's it's beautiful to look at. The visual effects are are quite uh, astounding to me at times, especially I can't imagine the budget being very high on this film. Uh, and if anything, it's probably more into paying the actors. Um, even though I heard, did you did you see this? I don't know if you did any research on it. the The actual design of this film, the like the set design, is in a museum to look at. I, I forgot which uh, country, whether it was Denmark, wherever they shot it, um, that it's on display for people to like just check out. And I'm like, the movie hasn't even come out yet. <laughs> I did not know that. No, I did not know that. Yeah. So do you do you echo some of those type of things? I'm interested in the Arctic thing, by the way, because uh, you mentioned it. Because that film um, not only was supposed to be an intended sequel to this movie, or like at least a partnership in some regard, because uh, this movie was actually written first, and Arctic ended up being made instead, because I guess Stowaway... No, I'm sorry. Arctic was supposed to be set on Mars. And obviously this is a mission to Mars. And then they, when The Martian came out in 2015, they were like, well, fuck Mars. <laughs> we're not going to Mars. So uh, they uh, turned it into the Arctic. And so that movie became you know, disconnected from this film. And then they ended up making this film with Netflix. So there you go. A little backstory there. But Arctic... Uh, is a movie and you could tell the folks cause you've seen it. It's, it's a, like a survival film. So like, apparently these guys, Ryan Morrison, Joe, Joe Penna, like seem to enjoy a film where you're kind of like looking at the ultimate stakes in some version of a doomsday scenario. Right. That's why I said there, those films share some similarity. Now you just blew my mind with that whole, <laughs> we changed it up because of the Martian. But I would say, you know, sometimes things happen for a good reason. Right. Because I think Arctic works better in that environment uh, than it would have on Mars. But, you know, it's it's Mads Mikkelsen. So who knows? Like I, he made that like that's he is the reason why that movie works. Right. In my opinion, is Mads Mikkelsen and what he emotes in like the character uh, that he presents on screen. Plus, you know, mixed in with the environment, because um, basically he is like the only one in that entire damn movie. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, but it's pretty much him and maybe someone else that, you know, I don't know. It's been a, been a while, but again, some similarities there between these two films, but Arctic to right. me, when I first watched it, cause I watched it when it came out I don't know, like a couple years ago and I was going to see it in the theater, right. but then it came out to Amazon prime once the whole COVID thing I remember hitting. So, uh, right. I watched it right away and I was just blown away by, it. again, I'm a big bat Mads Nichols fan, so I'm a little biased when it comes to yeah. that. But he was perfect in that role and just that, again, that environment of life. And like you said, you have yes. the ultimate stakes with these movies. Like, what do you do? Going back to Stowaway, though, they tried to build chemistry between yeah. the Anna, Anna Kendrick character and Daniel Day Kim. I, they, you know, they had some scenes where they tried to build chemistry there. But like you, I didn't feel it. I, I did not feel the emotional stakes with these characters. Yeah. 
and you mentioned the sacrifice at the end to me, I'm like, okay, there goes that. Like I wasn't, it wasn't earned in my opinion. Like I didn't have any emotional feeling when that was going on, except for I was a little upset, I guess. Yeah. I mean, again, it's not like I didn't feel for these people. The situation is very compelling. Although I will say it's compelling after a little while, because there is kind of a leap that the audience members, and you can speak for yourself, of course, on it. There is a leap of once the complication happens, uh, I'll, I'll put it in those general terms until we get into spoiler territory. But once that occurs, you kind of have to go, well, how the hell did that happen? And once you're on board with that, even just a little as time progresses here and, and the, the complications of it really become more apparent, then you have to make the decisions of, well, am I into this story still now that this information has been presented to me? Um, and and did they do a good enough job of setting up those stakes and, and what's the solve for those stakes mean for everybody else? And to me, like I said, a lot of, a lot can be compared to Midnight Sky. I thought they did better with the crew than Midnight Sky. Midnight Sky was so disconnected up there and i think clooney's part makes you forget about that if you're even remotely into the movie but this movie is all crew so to me i i didn't think they had any excuses if i come away from this type of film going you know i wasn't feeling it you know and, and i would love to talk to someone who maybe has been on a space mission <laughs> you know i know it's a tall a tall order <laughs> right. but you know they did have an actual um like this youtube video blogger who does like astronomy and space stuff um was on set providing like consultations and and did orbital mechanics for the movie and 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 all this other stuff that they tried to make it as scientifically accurate as possible. But I want to know like the dynamics of a crew like that. You figure you have to train for a long time. You really have to get to know these people before you go out into space with them for two years. So they should really have like almost a short, a more of a shorthand and a little better connection than what we saw in film. Do you agree with that sentiment? Oh, I- Absolutely. Just because you just I'll echo what you say with the training. You're you're together for several years. Yeah. Like you you form a bond with these people regardless. You've been together that long. For sure. And especially in this type of, of mission. And it just didn't feel that way when I was watching them on screen again. Yeah. It's almost like, hey, how did you get on this mission? Oh, they just threw me on here. after right. You know, it, they just didn't even seem to really know each other that well. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it was. I don't know. And you're. What you're talking about before, when you said if the audience buys into the last part, to me they didn't they didn't clear that log. Because I'm like, okay, nope. so how do you go from this to this on on a on a dime flip? Okay, so we got this situation. Like ten seconds later, we have another situation come up. Like it wasn't like how does that work? Like, and I'm not a science guy, but I'm like, okay, I just wasn't invested, man. I'm like, you know what I would have done in the situation, <laughs> but that's me. That's me. Sure, and, and unfortunately, that's. That's the role of the audience is to kind of put yourself in their shoes and see what lines up. Right. I mean, you're you're sitting there and trying to decide, you know, when when life and death presents to you, you know, I was hoping let me let me pick your brain on this. So in a movie like this, I don't know if many 
And I see a lot of these movies lately, and that's why I feel like they just don't work. Nobody wants to be an asshole anymore. Everybody thinks we have to be, like, real that nobody would be a jerk in this scenario. If there's no jerk, if there's no, like, if it's just the circumstances that are you're up against and not up against any people, per se, then you have to get deep. You have to get so deep with these characters that we all have to feel like we know them, too. Like, that we're best friends with these people. And I think this is a movie that if it was presented to me in the way that it was, I would have literally just written one note that said, dig deeper and send it back to them. Because, hypothetically, of the of the four people here, we probably know about one or two things about each of them, and then we just have to roll with it. You know, the... The most we know about, say, David, you you mentioned that Anna Kendrick's character and David, like those, that is probably the, the most bonded moment because it has to, to get to where they end up at the end. But, you know, all we know about David is he's married. He went to Yale. He cares about that he went to Yale and that the Yale Harvard thing. And he's a renowned scientific mind. I could have gotten most of that um in the first few minutes so what did you do the rest of the film to kind of make me get to where i have to care and there are a few moments here and there i don't want to say it's a it's a complete blank slate and i and i actually will say i'm i'm talking a lot of uh negativity maybe up to start because i wanted more out of this i was actually engaged i thought the plot was a good idea even though they really did need to explain more of what happened like the 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 conceit is a little tough to manage uh yeah i agree with you outside of the the little yale harvard stuff we get uh with the david and anna like i thought i didn't know anything about tony collette's character at all like i thought she should have been more in command of the situation because you had your friction between anna and david right you had because david went one way and presented what i thought was the logical solution uh to the problem where you had anna who wanted to go a different way but to me like again we don't know anything other than this person had a sister and and like that was it that's not yeah i'll stop there because like some of the decisions were made you don't know that person well enough like you said they needed to be more like especially tony clutch you need to be more assertive uh, more like the jerk and David was kind of that way, but he didn't even come off like a jerk. Like he came off like a nice guy trying to yeah. like be very sympathetic with the situation, you know? So, and they didn't even give a voice to the, the people down below to know exactly what was going on with the, you know, the commands on the ground, you know, kind of give updates. Everything was filtering through them, which is fine. You want to go that route. Fine. But again, depth, we need depth. You're right about Tony Collette. Like, she has to have something more than just being like, "Well, I'm I'm the veteran here. I'm the elder statesman. I'm the the commander." Like, I didn't know anything about her really. You know, I don't know what type of leader she is, how she got this job, where she's from. Like, nothing. So, I they really pared this movie down, which is why I was saying like, you either need to make this plot so intriguing. And move with a with a pace that gives you that impression that this is all about the plot, and it has to be so intriguing that it gets me to the end of the movie. 
or you have to get deeper with these characters to then filter it to get you to where it's going to go. And this movie didn't make that decision. It went down the middle of the road, which is exactly what this movie is. It's a mediocre movie, and and that's what happens. But I, I think, given the people involved, the cast involved, that this had so much opportunity to, to be better than it was. And, you know, I didn't hate the movie. I think it's very watchable. Uh, and like I said, it's good to look at. It's it's actually very impressive for I didn't look up the budget, but the um it doesn't seem like it's something like, you know, it's not a hundred million dollar film. We're probably talking thirty five, maybe fifty. Right. So I, I, I was impressed in that stuff, but ultimately it I needed more. Right. I agree with you. Like conceptually, this is one of the movies that conceptually is a good idea, but they just poorly ex not even poorly executed. Again, they 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 uh straggled the line and they just went right down it. So uh yeah, they kind of fumbled the execution. I also would like to give a shout out to the score. I thought the score of this film and the sound production, because you when you first the even though the first half was kind of slow, I mean you felt every you know bolt vibrate. They really focused in on all the external sounds that you would hear during like a takeoff and almost made you feel like you were in that in that scene. Yeah, very immersive. So thumbs up yeah. on yeah, thumbs up on that part. The score was great. But like you, I fall in the middle. It's mediocre. It's watchable. But I, I'm disappointed. I'm just a little disappointed. All right. Before we get into spoilers, do you have if you had to put a grade, like for me, I, I put this at a C plus. You know, it has a, a solid, uh, you know, plot that you know needed some more additional explanation than it probably gave. But at the end of the day, it's a decent conceit. Great design features. A lot of things to like, but ultimately, I think it's just, it's a passable film. Where do you stand? I go a little higher, and I feel like I've been echoing this a lot for myself, but sometimes I will elevate a film because I like the cast. And uh, yeah, sure. that, that's what I'm going to do here, because I'm a huge fan of uh, Anna Kendricks. I think she's America's sweetheart. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and plus, it was pretty to look at, like you said. I like the sound and score. Uh, I liked the last act where they're, well... We won't get into it, but I did like the last act. Um, so, yeah, I give it a B minus. Okay. Yeah, it, it rides that line. You could probably talk me up. In a, I think what happened with me is probably after the film ended, I probably was like, yeah, it's probably a B minus. And then the more notes I wrote, I was like, this is a C plus. <laughs> like, I think that's what happened to me. So we're, we're right on that line. It's probably around that that type of grade. Um, so for anyone who hasn't seen the film or whatever and they don't want to hear the spoilers, we're going to get into it a little bit deeper, spend a few minutes here because, like we said, we danced around it a little bit. Spoilers ahead. The conceit of this, we'll start there because we'll, we'll go kind of like in order here because you have to start with. So the, the big issue here is that they take off. They're in orbit. They like I think by the time they talked to him, they say 12 hours. So by the time they found him was probably like 10 or 11, maybe because uh, they had to patch him up in between and, and do whatever they had to. So you spend that long and he's in some overhead hatch just chilling um, right next to the life support system. How? How does that happen exactly? Uh, I don't know how he ends up being in. If he said he was, if I'm not mistaken, uh, he's an analyst on the like the the takeoff crew, right, or like the ground crew of some sort. Yeah, yep, yep. 
So how the hell is he in the show? Like, what went wrong? He didn't explain himself very well, which I was like, oh, when you first hear it, you're like, well, is that just a soft excuse? And then it's going to be something worse or like that he's, you know, being duplicitous in some way. Or is that it? And then by the time you and that's it. Yeah, that's it. And like you, it was never explained. I, I was waiting for the explanation. And how did this organization and outfit not know he was in a cargo holdup, like almost dead for 12 hours? Because I think he said he was, in, he was on the pre-flight check or something like that. Yeah. Yep. How do you, again, how do you end up there? And is they never address it. They never really explain it. Mm. Um, fully. Not very well anyway. Yeah. No, because I got done watching this movie. I'm like, how? How did he like I never I never knew it's a problem and, and and that I think you know for some people if they said to me oh yeah I watched the movie and then like when they didn't explain this very well I was like fuck this movie I'd be like okay like I wouldn't fight you <laughs> I'd be like you missed probably some decent stuff afterwards to hang on I would probably suggest people hang on because there's more of a core humanity to the film that is more worth exploring but at, if you said that to me i'd be like yeah fine fuck him i don't care right. like that's fine that's totally right. fine um and i also think based on what happened here and and the fallout here uh for for obviously people who have seen it and you're hanging on here you know it, like they said in the description it jeopardizes the lives of everyone on board so decisions have to be made between the life support system going down and what they can try to pull off and, you know, as far as oxygen and, and, and to get where they need to go. You, like you said, fuck him if he dies. <laughs> like there's that kind of feeling, um, you know, like should he kill himself or help him kill himself? Like, so it gets, it gets heavy uh, yeah. for sometimes, but a logical heavy. Uh, at times and that's what drew me in i think that's probably the best of what works for this film uh, which is again why you need characters that connect because to make a decision to end someone's life or not you need to know like how these people think and and all that beforehand so that that's really uh the issue here but once they know what the dire stakes of this is they should be pissed. Like, even if you're on the side of not killing this guy, you should be pissed. Because, again, you trained, you sacrificed, you have lives that you put on hold. Why is only one dude kind of pissed and the the women get to be kind of above the fray? Like, I don't quite get that. And even for how, for how pissed he was, he's not that pissed. Uh, like, uh, he's upset. But, like, he's a very grounded type of upset, a more subtle approach. Uh, what do you think about that in terms of the emotional impact on that crew? Right. That's uh, I think that I alluded a little bit before. David comes off as a jerk, but he doesn't really come off as a jerk because he says it in such a nice kind of, like, uh, sympathetic, empathetic kind of way where you relate to him. And, like, I kept getting upset because Tony Klett, being the captain, the one that has to make the hard choices, is, like, siding with – and you know Anna's character the entire movie I'm like make a decision like you don't know this guy like you don't right. know him yeah he's jeopardizing your mission again that you've been you said you've been training three years for to me that's an easy <laughs> that's an easy decision to make sure and and 
And we're only seeing David's reaction because he has something tangible that we've seen where it's like, this is my life's work. And we know that he has a family, you know, that he wants to start and a wife at home and all that stuff. The more we know, the more impactful and understandable we can feel about the reactions of these characters, which goes back to the original thoughts of dig deeper, give me more, give me depth, and it'll only benefit where you need to go at the end because we'll we'll skip ahead unless you had something in between. But to me, they go through these series of, well, we could do this, well, we could do that, well, we could do this. The movie ends on trying to get fill up these oxygen tanks on another piece of the satellite that they're connected to or however that piece was connected. And okay, I'm in. It's a it's a it's an interesting ride to see them go through all the the ways, the circuitous route that they have to do to get there. But then it you know, you have to I have to know I don't feel they explained it very well. Do you feel they explain like like what they were trying to do and what was going to be the problem if they go back out there or if they don't do it on the first try? No. In fact, they didn't explain it well enough when they dropped. All of a sudden, they had oxygen enough for a certain amount of people. And then without really explaining, oh, nope, 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 miscalculation. There's only enough oxygen yeah. for X amount of people. Right. To me, they didn't explain that at all. Uh, then again, I'm watching this uh, as you're tethering herself up to this, the top of this structure. And I'm, I was confused. Like I, <laughs> I was thoroughly confused. And when, like you said, the very last scene, I, they didn't explain anything that happened really. Like, yeah, in the, they do like mention very, little. very brief, like so little that it's, it's criminal. Uh, compared to to what the stakes are in this film where Anna Kendrick volunteers. She sacrifices herself for the others to go out in what what is it like? It's not like a solar flare, like some kind like of solar flare storm yeah, or some storm. There's that something was where the radiation would be too much and it would kill her. Correct. And I don't think they did very well. I thought that the what she was volunteering for was that oh they screwed it up the first time enough that they have to go and do this again and there's another risk based on those solar flares coming that she can burn up or that there could be some some other fall if she doesn't do it fast enough or doesn't do like there there's just more risk i didn't feel like it's instant death like that's a big problem. If if I'm following this whole movie, no problem. I'm lockstep, and then I get to the end where it's a huge sacrifice, and I'm like three quarters of the way into her sacrifice. I'm like, oh, she's gonna die. Oh, okay. <laughs> like that shouldn't be it. <laughs> I've, no, I've, I've I've watched way more complicated movies than this. That shouldn't be the problem. No, I agree with you. I, I thought, yeah, the way they were kind of acting heading into it, it's like they were rushing to get inside because I thought it would be like instantaneous right? Uh, when it happened. And then as she volunteers to go out there, it's not like I'm, I'm watching her come down. I'm like, huh, okay. <laughs> right. Like, And th- again, that moment to me wasn't earned. Like the only, in my head, I'm like, okay, so she, she, she made that sacrifice because obviously she has no family. Like I, I, she, apparently she doesn't have anybody. Or just a very guilty conscience about letting some guy who has a sister, because that's all we know about him. 
Well, she's the heart of the film, so I think that's right. really all it comes down to. Someone has to pilot the ship so the commander's there or whatever her position yeah. is. And then this guy's not trained well enough to do it, so he gets out. So it's down to the two of them, and she's the one who is not married. So uh, for for all the, the single people out there, they must love watching this movie going, well, you know, we're useless, so <laughs> I guess we have to die. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just wasn't like i said it wasn't earned uh you know i don't know because she championed for him the entire movie and i'm like okay so i guess your your theory of her being the heart you have to have that character in here but logically when you're watching this movie it, it just doesn't add up for me yeah and there's a there's like a, a moment between them when she talks about the lifeguard thing the job that she had when she was a kid so it kind of you know echoes on that and, and puts her in that same position again so that makes a whole lot of sense um to have her be that person and be right up there so that at least if you want to talk about anything in the screenplay that's you know well positioned foreshadowed something that they set up quite well i'll give them that and i think that's why the ending still has some impact even though it could have been done better or or set up better by that point um or explained better um and that's why to me like i said that's why this movie even though it has a, a decent amount of positives gets a c plus for me and that's why i love the fact that you're like going a little more apeshit than i am in this moment and yet you're the person who gave the better grade no i was just about to say i think i might actually drop my grade now because i'm getting <laughs> now you know why i came without sleeves i'm getting worked up <laughs> Glad to be of service. Yes, I'm going to leave it at a B minus. I'm going to leave it at a B minus. Perfect. So obviously that's plenty of information for this film. uh, But, you know, thank you for for coming on and kind of hashing through because, you know, like the pandemic, like anything else, man, we watch a lot of these movies by ourselves and we're just sitting there going, God, what? Like just the explanation you need to be like, why didn't I like this movie as much? But to me. Um, you know, it's a very watchable movie. A lot of people are watching the movie. You could do worse right now. And I've seen them, (laughs) unfortunately, even uh, as far as like Netflix stuff and everything else lately. Um, so let's just get to May so I can watch, uh, you know, you know, army of the dead and woman in the window and some of these other blockbusters they got coming up. Let's just get there so we could do that. Um, we got a couple of other fun things coming up soon, but yeah. We need to do the the turn post Oscars turn and really turn on the Jets for 2021 because now now we need the true entertainment again. So thanks for coming on, Shane. Oh, you're welcome as always, my friend. It's a pleasure. What are you cooking for uh, Medium House? You got anything uh, on the on the burner? Um, honestly, well, I'll have a Mortal Kombat review for you, and I watched uh, Cherry, the Tom Holland vehicle on Apple TV. So those are my next two reviews. And like you, I am just, just get to May. Can we just be in May already? <laughs> yeah. Because I echo everything you said about coming out in May on Netflix. I am super pumped. But in the immediate burner is Mortal Kombat and Cherry will be my next reviews. Sounds good, man. Look forward to those. Everybody check out Media Mosh. And thanks again, Shane. We'll, we'll see you next time. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it.